Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open Ecclesiastes chapter number four. Ecclesiastes chapter number four. Thank you for singing so well, and I pray that uh, and hope that our time of worship was a time that was a blessing to your heart. And uh, and we're not done, by the way. At the end of the service, we'll we'll be singing a little bit more. And it's always good to uh, to leave God's house in a spirit of worship and seeing uh, and thinking about what He has done and what He will do. Ecclesiastes chapter number four, and we're going to finish up our series on relationships. For the last month or so, we've been talking about what does the Bible say about relationships. And, and can I say that uh, in this series, we've learned about the importance of relationships. We've, we've learned about the fact that the Bible says that important, uh, or friends are not only important, but they're powerful. We talked about how you can conf uh, confront a friend. Uh, we've talked about how to make a friend. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. And can I say, uh, in the principles that we've learned about what the Bible says, they can be applied to all of our relationships. I know I've been using friendship kind of specifically when it's coming to the illustrations and things, but if we take the principles we've been learning about and apply them into our marriage, it'll help our marriage. If we uh, take those principles and apply them in your workplace. Uh, it'll, it'll help you to be friendly and make friends uh, with coworkers. And, and so any relationship that you have in life, if you apply biblical principles, it's only going to help you and enhance the relationships in your life. So I just want to say that as we're ending this series, that uh, as you look back on maybe some of the notes that you, uh, you've taken, uh, think about how you can apply that in other relationships in your life, and you'll find that they will be a help to you in those relationships. This morning, we want to talk about building up a friendship. Now, notice what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says. Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. He was King David's son, considered by most the wisest man the world has ever known. In fact, the scriptures teach us that when he had a wish, God said, I'll give you whatever wish you want. The one thing he asked for was wisdom so I can rule wisely your people. And God said, not only am I going to give you wisdom, but because you asked for wisdom and you didn't ask for riches and you didn't ask for extra long life, he said, I'm going to give you extra long life and I'm going to give you uh, riches because wisdom produces those things in our life. And, uh, and so he writes this book and it's a book that... Uh, he's really sharing experiences. He wrote this near the end of his life. He's sharing some things uh, about what he's learned in his life. And um, if you read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, you'll find that um, he, he has a lot of regret in his life. Um, though he was the wisest man maybe the world has ever seen, doesn't mean that he made always wise choices. Um, and by the way, we still that, see that today. Sometimes some of the smor smartest people in the world can make some of the most dumb decisions. Uh, and that was, that was kind of describing Solomon. Very wise, yet making some really bad choices. And he writes Ecclesiastes to say, man, I made this dumb decision. This is what I learned from that. Don't make the same decision. When you get to chapter 4, and especially verse 9 and 10, he's talking about friendships. And, and notice what he says. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Looking at friendships and what friendships can do for a person and how you can not only um, 
enjoy life better. There's a greater reward when you have friendships in your life, but how you can also um, be encouraged or be lifted up when things go bad in life. And can I say things always go bad in life? It's inevitable. Right? You're never going to have a life where everything goes right and perfect and nothing ever goes wrong. In fact, the opposite usually happens. You'll find that in life there are times where it just seems like everything goes wrong. And it's good to have a friend in those times that can help lift you up, a friend that can be there for you. But as you're making these friendships in life, as you're cultivating relationships in your life, you may have the question, can a friendship get better? Can my friendship with this person get closer or better? Now, let me say, every friendship in life can grow. Every friendship in life can get better. In fact, every relationship in your life has the potential to be strong, to be firm, to be something that is a help to your life. Every relationship has the potential to be that way. Not every relationship you have in your life will be that way, but it has the potential to become that. Right? It has the potential to, to be more than it currently is. So if you're here this morning, no matter how strong your friendship might be with someone else, no matter how strong your marriage relationship is at the moment, it can get better, it can get stronger. You say, well, how can that happen? That's what we want to answer this morning. How do we build it up better? Now, I'm not a construction person. Uh, I, I don't do a, really any construction at all. Um, I, I used to work in a, in a lumber store, and um, at McCoy's Lumber Store, actually, to, to be exact. And I remember when I first started, I was just a guy that stocked shelves. And I remember that as I was stocking shelves, I would always hear the salesman and hear what they're saying when people would come and ask them a question. And, uh, and so like they, you know, people would come and say, Hey, my sink is leaking. And you know, what parts would I need? And I'd hear them say the parts and stuff. Well, after like six months, I was like, yeah, I can do that. I've never fixed the sink in my life, but I know how to point people to the right aisle and to those things. And, and after a while, people would actually come not knowing that I was just stocking shelves. They thought I was a salesman and they'd be like, Hey, my sink's leaking. And I would remember the questions like, Oh, wh where's it leaking? You know? And is it gushing out, or is it just a small leak? You know, it could be an O-ring, or, you know, and then I would just go and tell them, you know, our O-rings are over here, and, and if you need the, uh, you know, the, the Y-switch, I don't even remember what they're called anymore, but I would tell them, and, and they would actually go, and I'm, I'm hoping that they worked, because they never came back, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that I gave them good advice. I have no idea. I'm not a construction person at all. I have no idea. I don't even know how to fix my own sinks at home, but I just knew what to say when I was working there. I say all that to say, just recently, I realized and came to find out that there's a difference between cement, mortar, and concrete. Now, if you're working in construction, you probably already knew that. You're probably thinking, duh. Not me, okay? This is new knowledge to me. So there might be someone in here that doesn't know the difference between all three. So let me explain. Mortar uh, has an element of... Um, uh, it's, it's a binding element. It's kind of like glue, and it's made of limestone, clay, shells, and silica sand. Now, if you don't know what silica sand is, it's different from the normal sand that you would like to see at the beach. It's, it's, a, um, it's, it's a sand that's really used specifically uh, to make cement. And what happens is you mix it with water, and it begins to harden, all right? And um, if you're using just that silica sand, it's, it's, it's hard. It's not uh, as, as hard as concrete or mortar, but it's, it's kind of there, all right? 
Now, when you're making mortar, from what I understand, you're going to use that, the same, uh, the same uh, elements that you would use with cement, but then you're going to use regular sand, all right? And that creates mortar. It's a stronger element to it. And usually mortar is used like for blocks, right, and, and bricks. If you've seen a brick home, uh, they, they use that to put the, the, the blocks one on one another, and it, and it kind of works as a glue as it dries. That's mortar. Then you have concrete. Concrete uses all of that, but then they also add gravel, right, like little rocks and things. Sometimes they'll put rebar in it, and that's usually the strongest of all of them, okay? It's like that's what foundations for buildings are made out of. Uh, is out of concrete, all right? And it's usually for that because it's so strong. Now, I say all that and I share that knowledge because friendships are like that in relationships in our life. There are some relationships in our life that are kind of just like cement. They're there, they're not as strong, but, but, but they're relationships that are there for us. And then there's other people that we have relationships with and they're like mortar. We, we kind of stick to them and it's, and it's great. We enjoy maybe spending time with them and, and, you, and you have that in your life. But then you're going to have maybe two or three in your lifetime that are going to be like concrete for you, just solid. And what we want to talk about is how do you get a friendship that maybe is at cement level and get them to concrete level? Well, what are the ingredients that you're going to add like you would for mortar or what, like you would for concrete? What are some things that you're going to add to the cement relationships in your life to make sure that they're strong and building up to something greater than what it is currently? That's what we want to talk about. I'm just going to share three elements. They're not the only elements or ingredients that would strengthen your relationship, but I believe they're the three at least are the most important that I see in Scripture to help our relationships to go from cement to concrete. Notice, if you will, if you have your notes, that the first ingredient is trust. It's trust. The foundation to building up any friendship is trust. It gives every relationship the strength to endure any hardship or any test that comes its way. Trust does that. Now, how does a person build up trust in a relationship? How am I going to build up trust in my marriage? How am I going to build up trust in my friendship? How am I going to, I'm going to do that? Well, notice first of all, through truth and honesty. Trust gets built in a relationship through the means of truth and honesty. If you want people to trust you, if you want uh, to trust others, there, there has to be truth and honesty in that relationship. Uh, you got to be able to be open with that other person. They got to be open with you, right? It, if, you can, if you can establish in your relationship truth and honesty with one another, you'll find that it begins to, like concrete, become firm and strong in your relationship. Uh, being truthful and honest is important to both our character and our connection with others. It allows them to believe the words that we share with them. It, it allows us or allows them, as we speak to them about what we want to do, the promises that we're making, it allows them to be able to believe us in what we're saying. Listen, in the relationship with a uh, parent and a child, it's so important for us to follow through in whatever we are saying. I, I know in, in our home, every Friday night is a, uh, is a family night. We call it family night. We do movie. Uh, usually some sort of Disney movie, and then we let the boys sleep in our room. I'll set up a, a little uh, bed there on, on the floor, and, and they, they'll go and they'll sleep in our room. And uh, can I be honest? There are some Friday nights 
I really don't care to have children jumping on the bed and, you know, talking and asking me questions, you know, at 1030 at night about what happened in the movie, you know. Was Aladdin doing okay, doing what he was doing? Like, I, I don't know. Go to bed, right? Um, but, you know, there are times, and I've, I've, I've tried this. Uh, on Friday nights where I'll say, okay, boys, it's 1130. Let's go. It's bedtime. Let's go to bed. All right, go to your room. And they'll tell me, but, Dad, tonight's Friday. I thought we sleep in your room on Friday. I'm like, well, not this Friday. But, Dad, I mean, you said, and, you know, no matter how tired I am, I have this little voice in the back of my, of my ear that tells me, but you said, and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's my wife, right? <laughs> She'll be like, you promise. And, and you know what? It seems like something so minor to say, okay, y'all can come and sleep in the room. But you know what it's doing when I say, you know what? You're right. I said that. Come. You know what I'm doing? Building trust. Because if I can follow through and be honest with my children, they're going to start trusting that what I say means something. That I'm not just kind of giving off carbon dioxide. No, that, I, that there's something more to it from what I'm saying. And so truth and honesty are so pivotal. When you lack that, the foundation in your relationship begins to crack. When there is no truth and honesty, you're on unstable ground. You, you can't really build anything upon that. And so what happens is you stay like at a cement level instead of a concrete level. That, that means any little hammer that comes and hits it can break this relationship. Any strong trial or, or difficult situation comes in life and breaks the relationship. That's why it's so important, this of truth and honesty. The Bible talks about this over and over and over again. Because I like to limit the notes. I didn't put all the verses, but literally, uh, as I was doing uh, the study for this, um, there's more than 50 verses on this, okay? I put a few of them. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 in your notes. Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. He's talking about there, hey, just being truthful. It's a delight just to the God that we worship. It's going to be a delight to the relationship that you have with others, uh, now, I love the, the second part of the verse. In verse 23, he says, um, a prudent man concealeth knowledge. Uh, what he's talking about there is discernment. Um, sometimes there's people that say, well, I, I want to have truth in my relationship. And they use that to be rude. You ever, have you ever heard that? Like, you know, you're really ugly. I'm, I'm being truthful. I'm just being truthful. No, you're being rude right? You're being unmannerly. You're, that's not friendly at all. That, that's just an excuse to be like, oh, uh, that I'm having truth in my, in my relationship. No, you're not. That, that's what he's saying there, right? There are some things that you say in a right way, in a right manner, okay? And then there are things that, that that's why he said the foolish man, he just says everything that comes to his head. That's why, listen, if it's your tendency, and we all have different tendencies, and that's okay. Our personalities are different. God created is different that way, okay? So there, there are some of us are a little more bubbly, and sometimes we say things, all right? I'm guilty of this many times in my life. I'll say things, and then I'll be like, ooh, I probably, that came out wrong. I, I shouldn't have said it that way, right? The Bible says that's foolish to do that. So if your tendency is to be like, I'm just going to wear my emotions on my sleeve, listen, the Bible says don't. Just, just, just be wise. 
You want truth and honesty in your relationship, you need that. But there's a way to do that. And then notice Isaiah chapter 33. And I, I put the New Living Translation because I really like the way it was translated there. It says, those who are honest and fair, who refuse to profit by fraud, who stay far away from bribes, who refuse to listen to those who plot murder, who shut their eyes to all enticement to do wrong, these are the ones who will dwell on high. The rocks of the mountains will be their fortress. Food will be supplied to them, and they will have water in abundance. In other words, if you just have honesty, if you have truth in a relationship, it'll help you. God will bless you for that. You won't be lacking. Trust is so important. It's a, a very important ingredient. But let me just say this. Not only... Does trust require truth and honesty? But it takes time. It takes time. This reality about trust is so important. Trust is not something that comes because we share a few words, because we had a common experience, because we are inspired by what we saw on YouTube. That's not, that's not going to be enough to go from cement to concrete. It's not going to be enough to build up your friendship. For trust to do its work, it will take time. Time to be consistent and faithful. Um, as I've already stated earlier in the service, I am a golf fan. I do like golf. And if you know a little bit about the sport, you know that in tournaments, they play four rounds of golf. They start on Thursday, and they end on Sunday. Every day they play 18 holes. And here's what professionals say. They say the reason that you do four rounds of golf is because you'll find that the winner has to be consistent for four straight days. He said, you know, any professional golfer, because they're professional and they're really good, can have one really good day of 18 holes. A, a, a typical round, if you're going to break even, which is a really good score, is 72. They say, you know, professionals on a good day, they can shoot 66. Right? They, they, they can shoot, you know, 600 par, 700 par, which is really, really good. It's just amazing how good that is. But to do that for four straight days is very difficult. Even though they're playing the same course, using the same sticks, the same ball, on the same holes, it's, it's different. The next day, they can shoot 75. They can do 11 times worse. And, and how is that? Because it requires consistency to win in that game. You know, for trust to build in your relationships, it will take time. Look, any husband can be a really good husband one day out of the week. Being a good husband seven days out of the week, that's a little tougher. A lot tougher. Even Miss Patty knows that. It is. It's tough. Same for anything in life. Any relationship. It requires time. You know what time will do? Time reveals to us what the intentions are of a person towards us, right? If you're a husband or a wife, you ever, you ever ask your husband after they do something? Now, why are you doing that? What do you want? What do you want? Like, you never cook. What is it that you want me to do? What? Right? My wife asks me all the time that, you know, I clean my room like, oh, you cleaned your room. What, what, what do you want to go buy? What is it? What is it? 
Who do you want to go hang out with? And you're going to leave me by myself. What, what, what's going on? You, you're wondering. And you know what time does? Time reveals if what you're doing is something out of the heart and you really mean it or if there's a second, secondary motive to it. Time reveals that. It will reveal how sincere we are. It'll reveal our heart. Time will reveal the care that we feel towards us or others. It will reveal how faithful we are in what we're doing. Time does that. And so for trust to take your relationship from cement to concrete, from something that's not okay to something that's solid foundation that you can build on, to take that, it's going to take time. Consistency. To take time. Listen. Just some real practical ideas. Take time to talk to people. That takes time. Can I say, take time not only to talk to people and share, take time to listen. If your personality is very social and bubbly, um, usually the tendency is to dominate a conversation. Let me tell you about my experience. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you. And sometimes... What you need to do or work on is just take time to listen. What is the other person thinking? What are they going through? You say, why do I need to listen? Because it's going to help you with trust. Listen, as a parent, listen to your child. Listen to what they have to say. Listen, I, I've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. I ask them about school. I still don't know. what. No, he's six now. I still don't know what they're talking about. We went on the monkey bars, and we went, blah, 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 blah. Awesome. All right. I really do try sometimes when I'm listening, and I'm talking about when I'm really listening, to have like a follow-up question, you know, like, did you make it all the way across on the monkey bars? When I'm not listening, I go, oh, man, that's, that, that's awesome, buddy. All right, all right. Listen, shh, I'm listening to Dan Patrick, and then I'll turn the radio a little bit louder, right? Um, but it takes time. It takes work to kind of just sit there and listen. But listen, when you start doing that, it's, it's building trust. It, it's taking that relationship, that friendship from something that's okay to something that is solid. So trust, big, big, important ingredient. Secondly, I want you to notice love. Love. Every growing relationship needs love. It's the glue that holds people together. It's the oxygen for the relationship to breathe. Uh, of the three elements that we're going to be talking about, this one might be the most important. So how do you build love in your relationship? Right? Trust takes time. Trust takes truth and honesty. Right? That's how you build trust. How do I build love in my relationship? Very simple. Number one, choosing to love them. Did you know that love is not an emotional feeling? even though it involves emotions? I'm glad that God gave us emotions, right? I hope you're glad that God gave emotions as well, right? Nobody likes to give a birthday gift and for the person to go, oh, thank you, this was really, really nice of you. No, right? We give a gift, birthday to someone, we want them to go, oh, this is awesome, this is exactly what I wanted, thank you, how did you know this is, I love this gift. That's emotion. No, no, nobody wants to go to a game where it's just like, pass the ball, yeah, good pass, good pass. Wow, good shot, Steph Curry, that's amazing. He just shot it from so far back, wow. We want emotion. 
Let's go, run up the court. Yeah, good pass, good shot. We like emotion. Emotion's a good thing. But sometimes if we're not careful, we think love is all about emotion. And it's not. If you're married for any length of time, you know love is not an emotion. There are times when he is the greatest guy on earth. And 10, second later, 10 seconds later, he can be the worst guy on earth. Right? You can be like, why did I marry this guy? What did I even see in him? I thought he was so loving and kind. And you know what he called me? Oh, that, that's who he is. That's who he is. The emotion of love comes and goes. But love really isn't an emotion. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's a choice that we make. A choice to care for someone. A choice to show affection. A, a choice to forgive when they've done wrong to us. Love does that. But in order for that to happen in your relationship, you have to choose to do that. It doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen just with the passing of time. No, it actually happens by making a choice. If any relationship is going to grow and be built stronger, then it has to have Love making a choice every day, every day, every day. I love that Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, when Paul was describing the love of Jesus, it said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But notice this, it says the next three words, but made himself of no reputation. Sometimes you can read John 3, 16, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We say, oh yeah, God sent his son. No, right here the Bible says that Jesus chose himself. He made himself of no reputation. There was a choice that Jesus actively made. It wasn't just God the Father making that choice. Jesus the Son made the choice to make himself of no reputation. Why? Because he loves you and me. 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. He made a choice to love us. That's how love grows. That's why a friendship can become strong through making the choice to love. And then secondly, by sacrificing for them. In fact, there is no love without sacrifice. Love will always cost you something. To grow love in a relationship will always cost you something. By the way, if it costs you nothing, it's not, it's not real love. It won't pass the acid test, if you will. Real love and true love always costs. Costs time, money, energy, effort. Tears, every emotion on the wheel of emotions, it always costs. You see, sometimes we want our friendships to grow, but we're not willing to sacrifice anything for them, right? We don't want to take time of our busy day. Hey, I'm just so busy. And listen, legitimately, I know weeks are busy and time is busy. And I know we can't always meet with everybody all the time, and, and, and I'm aware of that. But listen... 
in your friendships, be sure to take time with others by loving them in choosing to love them and sacrifice for them. We need to do that in our relationships. Sacrificing. As some time management people say, you never have enough time in the day. You make enough time in the day. Create the time. We could all be busy with something. We can always be doing something else. The, the trick isn't, well, let me see what part of my day I'm not doing anything. No, the trick is, what, what part of my day am I going to make for this to happen? And by the way, let me just throw this in there. Um, uh, married couples, listen, encourage your, your spouse to have friends outside of yourself. Okay? Um, husbands, encourage your wives to hang out, you know, with, with someone that they can kind of show off their nails to. Right? Sometimes I get in trouble for that. Or she'll be like, what do you think of my nails? Nice. I, I don't know. I never look at nails. I don't know. Right? That's when you need a girlfriend to be like, look at my nails. Oh, I love your color. Look how long they're. Where did you go? You, you need that. Okay? Your husband will not provide that for you. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean you, you don't matter to him. It's just you need some friendships like that. Hey, same thing with uh, wives to your husbands. Okay? Whatever he does, if he's like me and likes golf, he's going to walk in one day and be like, man, I shot a 78 today. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And she's going to go, what's a 78? What is that? So you need a golfing buddy that you can tell and be like, you shot a 78? What? Where, where did you shoot? What was going on? Man, you must have been on fire. What was your longest drive? You, you need someone like that. Create those friendships outside of that. Build that. That wasn't in my notes. That was just in parentheses. But it was just, just, just thinking about sacrificing. Uh, you look uh, in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. You find that Jesus did this. You find that others did this for Jesus. You have this woman that had, uh, which was a sinner, you can notice it in your notes, and she knew that Jesus was sitting down at a meal with the uh, Pharisee's house, and, and she brought this ointment, and she stood at his feet weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and, and wipe them with the, the hairs of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed him. And, and you know what she was doing? She was loving him by sacrificing. In fact, that ointment was the value of Thousands of dollars. It was one year's worth of employment to buy that ointment. She didn't use it on herself. She, she broke it and poured it at Jesus' feet. Just simply to say, I love you. You know what people did? They criticized her. Oh, she could have sold that and given it to the poor. Oh, she could, she could have used that on herself. She could have used that and sold it and made some money and, and given bigger offerings than the offering plate. And Jesus said, are you kidding me? Guys, seriously. What she just did is the most loving thing that none of you have ever done for me. He said, wherever they preach about me and the gospel, they'll talk about her. Because true love sacrifices. It costs us something. You want to go from cement to concrete in the friendships of your life, you better be willing to sacrifice. You better be willing to choose to love them 
every morning. Let me give you the last one and we'll be done. And the third element is God. This last ingredient is probably the most essential. Love is important. God is essential in growing that friendship. You see, when God is the center of your friendship, you'll find all you need to move the relationship forward. All you'll need to bring happiness to that relationship. Now, how does that happen? How does God being in our relationship help it grow? Well, number one, it reminds us of our common purpose. When God is the center of your relationship, it reminds you of the common purpose that you have. You see, since life was given to us by God, He is the one who can help us find the purpose for it. A life with purpose brings two people onto the same road, and it leads them down the same path. It brings unity in a divided world. That's what God does. It doesn't make us all uh, uh, cookie-cutter the same. No. You still have your own personality. And and when you read the Bible, you read about all kinds of people. Some people were like in politics, and some people were farmers, and some people were like city people, and and some people were business owners, and and some people were uh, uh, pastors and preachers. and, And you find all walks of life. And you know what brings them in common is their purpose. Because, you know, even as a business owner, you can live for God. That's not just the pastor's thing. That's not just the missionary's thing. No, that's all of our thing. And in a marriage, when you have God as the center of that marriage, man, it changes everything as to why you are even together. When you have God in the center, it reminds you of the common purpose that you have in that relationship. It unites you. You know, the mission of our life shouldn't be to do whatever just pleases us. That's what the Bible calls a worldly philosophy. Just living for the here and now and what can I get out of this? God says, that's not the purpose of life. And when you, Listen, when you live that way, you realize it's not as fun as you thought. It's not as satisfying as they promote it to be, as the world thinks it is. I never forget one of the funniest, most successful men that Hollywood has known, a man by the name of Robin Williams. He had his difficulties in life. I'm sure he faced such a lot of trials. But those that know his story know that at the end he took his own life. Purpose. Just wasn't all that he thought it was going to be. You want to take a friendship from something that's cement to something that's concrete, make God the center. You'll have a common purpose. Put this in your notes, Acts chapter 11, when Barnabas met some other Christians and it says when he went to where they were in Antioch, He said, when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Stay close to God. 
Then it says of Barnabas, because he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the church. He found others and strengthened his relationships when he found that both of them had God in the center. But not only does it remind us of our common purpose, but of our common faith. Life is chaotic and confusing sometimes, and what makes the difference between someone giving up and not caring anymore and one that continues in spite of trials and difficulties is a friendship with common faith. That's where, when you go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and he says, the one that falls, the other one helps lift him up. It's because God's the center there. It's because sometimes we just need to be reminded that, hey man, I know you're going through a hard time. And I'm sorry for that. And I'm sorry that we live in a world where there's violence. And I'm sorry that we live in a world that's unfair. And I'm sorry that there's a world of hate. But you know what? God is good. And sometimes you just need a friend that's there to remind you of that faith. Hey, it's not always going to be like this. It's going to get better. How? I don't know. When? I don't know. Friends, we, we, we can't always do that. I don't know the future. Your friend won't always know the future. But if y'all have God in the center, and you're just saying, man, if you hang on, I'll hang on. If you'll stay faithful, I'll stay faithful. You keep going to church, I'll keep going to church. You know what will happen? God will start showing himself mighty. And that friendship between you two, and that relationship and that marriage gets stronger. And when you think, man, that, that husband or wife, they just did this, I'll forgive you because I choose to love you. Because we need trust in this relationship if it's going to get anything stronger, anything that we can build on. If this is going to keep getting better, we need to have more trust and more love and more God in our life. And you do that, everything changes. This morning... Every friendship and relationship can get stronger and better. How? With trust, with love, and with God. I want to encourage you. The friendships in your life, listen, they need to get built up. They need to become stronger. Don't leave them where they are. You say, man, I already have a close relationship with my wife. It can get better. How? Giving more trust, giving more love, and having more God in your life. Same thing with your coworker, same thing with your friend, your neighbor, your, the childhood friend you grew up with. These three ingredients, listen, it'll take you from having a cement kind of relationship to a solid concrete relationship. If you'll do just that. I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your care. Thank you for your friendship, Father. Because you've modeled what it is to love. You've modeled what it is to trust others. You've modeled what it is to have God as the center. Over and over you told your disciples, I've come to do the will of my Father and not my own will. Father, those relationships that were formed with Jesus and his disciples literally turn this world upside down. And as your disciples today, Father, how we need to apply those truths in our relationships. 
in our relationship with you, trusting you more and loving you more and doing more of your will, but also in our relationship with family and friends and our marriages. And we, we just need more of that. Help us to add these ingredients into our relationships. Help us to experience what a true friendship is all about. We're people that are needing that. We need that from you. We need that of you. We need that from others that you have placed in our life. So help us not only to understand these truths, but help us to apply them into our lives. Help us to live them out, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.